0: A few weeks ago, I was in the middle of some of my own devotion time. I was reading the assigned Bible passage for that day, and it was from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And it was a story that probably many of us are familiar with, or we've at least heard reference to at different times. And in the scripture passage, there is somebody from the crowd who comes and they bring their son to Jesus for healing. Now, this particular son that was being brought forward was a son that had had an evil spirit come upon him. And the scripture, more than almost any other story that I can find, comes and it shares in pretty graphic detail what this evil spirit makes this son of this father do. Things like the boy is unable to speak. Things like it makes him foam at the mouth when it comes upon him. Things like it makes him grind his teeth Things like it makes his entire body become rigid. It does all of these kinds of things every time the evil spirit begins to act out upon this boy. And so clearly there is a serious situation that is going on here. And this parent comes to Jesus and says, I asked your disciples to cast out this evil spirit from my son, but they couldn't do it. And rather than the normal compassion that Jesus usually seems to offer in Scripture, this time Jesus appears to be just a little perturbed. Not at the family with this son who's going through this difficult time, but rather with his own disciples. And Jesus, this time, with some exasperation, exclaims, You faithless generation, how much longer am I going to have to put up with you? You can almost hear the humph from Jesus. Bring him to me. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that Jesus has not yet had his morning cup of coffee. Maybe he's woken up on the wrong side of the bed, but he's clearly a little edgy, a little grumpy here. So they bring this son to Jesus and we're told that when the evil spirit sees Jesus, the evil spirit in this boy, it goes ballistic. It throws the young man to the ground. He begins convulsing on the ground. He begins rolling around on the ground. He begins foaming at the mouth. It was awful. And the father of the boy sees this. The father of the boy has seen this many times, and he's desperate to get help for his son. So he looks at Jesus in a sense of desperation and says, Jesus, if you can do anything to make this stop, will you please do so? And Jesus looks at the man. He's like, if if I can do anything, let me tell you, anything is possible for the one who believes and then the father gives this great response and sometime i hope maybe we can do a whole sermon series or sermon even on just this one statement because the father says i do believe jesus help my unbelief what a wonderfully honest vulnerable statement by the father so then jesus looks at the young man and he commands the evil spirit to come out of him And one more time, the evil spirit makes the boy convulse, makes the boy cry out terribly. And then the evil spirit leaves the young man. And this encounter was so violent, it leaves the young man lying completely still on the ground as if he were a corpse. And many actually thought the boy was dead. But then Jesus reaches down and takes him by the hand and raises him up until he's standing Now, I've heard that story a number of times. And again, maybe some of you have heard that. But for me, it was when we got to the very end of the story that something struck me as if this was the very first time I'd ever heard this story. Maybe it was in light of this sermon series that we're doing. But the end of the story finishes this way. It says, so the disciples came up to Jesus and they asked him, and I imagine kind of sheepishly, hey, Jesus, what's up? Uh, How's come the power that you gave us to cast out demons and to create healing? Why didn't that work for this guy? What gives? Why couldn't we do it for this one? And here's the answer that Jesus gives that I had completely forgotten. And I think it's absolutely incredible. You ready? Jesus says this kind can only come out through prayer. Now think about that. It's almost like Jesus saying, yeah, faith is good and blessing is good and your gifts and abilities, those are all good things, but those things will only get you so far. But when you come up against the really, really tough stuff, the really powerful stuff, well then something only as holy and powerful and wonderful and significant as prayer will do. I don't know about you, but I find that incredible. When everything else seems to be failing, Jesus says in those times, in those moments, pray. When everything else is falling around or nothing else seems to be working, pray. When you have a miracle that's not happening, pray. Because prayer is strong enough to conquer the most powerful forces of evil in our world. When you are facing the most significant stuff in life, pray. And among other reasons, church, this is why we are being invited to pray. Among other reasons, this is why we're giving out numerous prayer guides throughout Lent, why we're inviting folks to come Monday through Friday, any of those days at 6 a.m. at the North Campus to pray so that we can experience together the power of prayer that Jesus is talking about here and so that we can see miracles happen as well. No wonder Jesus spent some time telling the disciples exactly how to pray here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, the Lord's Prayer that we've been working our way through. This is spiritual dynamite that Jesus is giving us, and he wants to make sure we use this dynamite correctly. And yet many of us act like we're just playing with a few matches when, in fact, Jesus is giving us full-blown spiritual fireworks at our disposal with all the glory and grace and beauty that they bring. And yet many of us say, well, I'll just play with a few matches. We way too often ourselves come to Jesus and say, Jesus, why could we not, and fill in the blank?" And I think Jesus still looks at us and says, you can only do some of these things. You're only going to experience that miracle when you pray. Prayer is the only way. And yet we know so often, church, we really don't pray. Yes, in a moment of passing, we will pray and throw something out to God and say, God, could you do this? Or could you make that happen? And when we think about it, we'll spend some time with God. But I think one of the reasons that we so often do not see miracles among us is because we don't really pray, at least not in the ways that Jesus instructs us to pray, not with the intentionality and power and consistency of prayer, especially not the way we find it in the Lord's prayer. And I will tell us this, church, if we will learn to pray, and I mean really pray, not just in passing and not the casual throwing out a request to God to help us out, We, too, will see things happen that we've never seen happen before. We, too, will see miracles where we've not seen miracles before. We, too, will see real lives transformed in Jesus Christ on the inside and out. If we pray. If we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we pray, give Us this day our daily bread. If we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Every time we utter the words of the Lord's Prayer, we repeat these words, asking God to forgive us as we have been forgiven. Now, it would have been one thing for Jesus to practice forgiveness towards us, which he did so extravagantly and leave it at that, but Jesus did so much more than that. In praying the Lord's Prayer, Jesus transforms us naturally vengeful, retribution-minded people into forgivers ourselves. He not only shows that God forgives us, he also commands us as the forgiven to go and forgive as well. How in that world is that possible for people like us? Because we all know forgiveness is just downright hard. I can guarantee right now among us, those of us here, those of us watching online, those of us worshiping in other locations, there are many among us right now who are harboring bitterness and anger and resentment right now towards somebody that we are having a hard time forgiving because they've hurt us and wounded us so deeply or so repeatedly. And I know that's the case because we're human. And that's what we humans do. Somebody wrongs us, we wrong them back, and even worse so. We pay them back stronger than whatever they did to us. We get even, and then some. Our world teaches us to have no tolerance for somebody who does something to us, and so we inflict back on them something even worse than they inflicted upon us. And we see this all the time, and the struggle is real. And so we struggle, we have a hard time forgiving so many. The child who is continually disobedient or defiant to us. The parent who's being unreasonable at every turn. That coworker who cheated us or wronged us. The ex who continues to get at us any chance they can just to cause us pain. That person who has hurt a member of our family. That person in our family who's caused us many sleepless nights. That loved one who has betrayed us. That liar, that drug dealer, that drug user, that child molester, that murderer, that politician, that fill-in-the-blank. We all know forgiveness is tough. And how hard it is in our current world where the narrative that is continually shared with us is one of division and destruction and lack of forgiveness. Get back at those who hurt you is all we're told anywhere else. I want to invite us, even as we gather in this space this morning or again, wherever we might be worshiping this day, picture in your mind this very moment that person or those people that have hurt you. That right now we are having a hard time forgiving. And I doubt it takes very much effort. After all, all we have to do is follow the path of pain or hurt in our lives. And very quickly that name is going to pop up in our mind or on our heart. Picture them for just a moment. Here's the thing. Jesus says, unless we forgive that person that we're picturing right now or those people that we're picturing right now, God will not forgive us. It's one of the few times that Jesus put such a direct qualifier on God's response to us. We cannot be expected to be forgiven if we are not willing to forgive others. That's way easier said than done. How in the world do we do that, particularly with somebody who has hurt us or wounded us so badly? I want to invite us this morning to hear a couple of examples, and I hope as we hear these examples and we hear their words, that will give us instruction on understanding how we ourselves can forgive the very people that right now we are struggling with ourselves. The first example comes from a a man named Celestine Misakura. He was living in Rwanda when genocide turned his world upside down, and he shares these words. He says on Sunday December 28, 1997, men in uniform with guns, grenades, swords and clubs went into my village and killed about 70 people. Some in their homes, others in the church where they had gathered for morning prayer, and among those killed were my father, my stepbrother, my stepbrother's wife, wife and his children. And most of the people killed were neighbors that I knew, friends and members of the church that I had pastored for years, especially during my early years in ministry. And when I received this terrible news, I became angry at God. And I started asking God, where were you when my family was being butchered? And why would you not protect them after all that I've done in my life of obedience trying to serve and follow you? I wanted to know how could God allow such awful people do something so horrible to innocent people? And despite all that I had taught as a pastor, I wanted revenge on those who had killed my relatives and the people that I had loved and the people I had served. And in this unguarded moment of raw emotion, God confronted me with the reality of the ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation to which he had called me. He assured me he was still there, even in the midst of it all. He assured me that my relatives, some of whom I had led to Christ, had finished their journey well. And it was not my responsibility to question where God was when they were killed or who had killed them, but rather to finish the journey well, just like those I had led in my own ministry. And that night, said Mesokura, the Lord confronted me with the hardest challenge of my life. And God said to me, you've been teaching others about repentance and forgiveness You do well in instructing others to reach out in forgiveness. It's now your turn to forgive those who killed your relatives without asking where I was. And it's up to you to make a choice. Either forgive and let me take care of the rest or fail to forgive and give up your freedom, your joy, and your peace. Because when we fail to forgive, we are giving up our freedom, our joy, and our peace. God continued with Musakura and said, You can either choose to be a hypocrite who teaches what he does not practice, or you can be the wounded healer who gives the healing gift of forgiveness to the undeserving. And then Musakura shared this I had to learn that the Christian view of forgiveness involves the remembrance of divine grace and God's unconditional love and mercy toward humanity. My belief in forgiveness only as a technique was not enough to keep me from bitterness and revenge and resentment. I had to go deeper to the very heart of what faith is all about. I love that, and I hope we will hear that. Belief in forgiveness as a technique is not enough to keep us from bitterness and revenge and anger. We must go deeper to the very heart of faith. I would venture for the very few of us who attempt to truly enter into forgiveness, we usually do it as a technique rather than into the very center of what our faith is all about. Because of God's great grace and mercy and compassion, God performed the unimaginable act of offering a priceless sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, even when you and I were still rebellious. And because of this divine act, the Christian model of forgiveness stresses the granting of unconditional forgiveness to those, the very ones who cause us pain and injury and suffering in this life. This gracious and miraculous act of forgiveness is possible only because of the conviction that christians should forgive just as unconditionally as god and jesus christ has already forgiven us and we recognize this through the work of god's holy spirit within us that means in the very midst of our grief god shows us the transforming power of forgiveness in this way the forgiver pays the cost of forgiveness even when the forgiven is unaware just as god paid our price when you and i were unaware of our own shortfallenness and sinful nature This is why Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died so that I can be forgiven. And because of this, God teaches us that we choose to also forgive regardless of the actions of the offender. We don't even have to completely be healed from our own wounds before we offer that forgiveness. So that as a forgiven sinner, I'm simply called to forgive. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. In this prayer, Jesus emphasizes the daily practices of forgiveness as a way of maintaining and sustaining our daily relationships. I love this beautiful imagery that's given in the Lord's Prayer. You might remember from last week, we talked about daily bread being needed to get us from one day to the next. It's the same idea in our relationships, that from one day to the next, we must offer forgiveness so that our relationships can get from one day to the next. Just as we cannot live without daily bread, we cannot fully live our life in communion with each other and God without the ability to grant and receive forgiveness. In this way, forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. So Jesus instructs us, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There was a man named Bud Welch. He served throughout the horror of having his own daughter, Julie die in the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City many years ago. Welch said, at first, I wanted Timothy McVeigh not even to have a trial. I just wanted him to die. But then I realized, he said, I would only contribute to the circle of violence that helped produce Timothy McVeigh to begin with. What good would it do, the first 168 victims of the bombing, to add one more? It's amazing to think that after such a horrendous act, somebody could even dare to think about forgiving someone else, dare we say miraculous. How could this man, Bud Welch, whose daughter had died, possibly commit such a heroic act as offering Christ-like forgiveness to Timothy McVeigh or anyone else? And yet it's interesting, if you were to get to know Bud Welch, you would actually find maybe his act wasn't as heroic as we might think. In fact, it might have been somewhat normal, at least by God's standards, if not by ours. Because he actually had people who encouraged him in his path of forgiveness rather than discouraging him. And it was part of a process in his own soul. And though he had not started out to seek forgiveness, that's where he ended up. And one of the reasons that happened is because when Timothy McVeigh, when this happened, Bud Welch went to Timothy McVeigh's father's house. And went into his house to talk to Timothy McVeigh's father. And when he went in, he saw something that caught him completely off guard. He went in and sat down. And as they started to have a conversation, Bud Welch looked up on the mantle. And there on the mantle in the house of Timothy McVeigh's father was a graduation picture of Timothy himself. And Welch shared that when he saw that picture, he just broke down and cried and wept. Because he realized here was another father just like him who was on the verge of losing his child. And when he realized that, there was then a bond of kinship through grief. And when that happened, there was a sense of sympathy and compassion that began to be evoked within him. And the forgiveness that at first seemed so impossible in our dog-eat-dog, modern world of the survival of the fittest, where only those with swagger and the most powerful survive, suddenly this concept of forgiveness became a little bit easier to understand. The compassion became the gateway to the forgiveness. And a miracle of forgiveness was then possible. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I want to lift up one more example of forgiveness here this morning. And if you're a sports fan, maybe you've heard of this. But even if you're not a sports fan, this relates to all of us. Uh, There's a man named Monty Williams. He is the assistant coach with the Oklahoma City Thunder NBA basketball team. This happened literally just a couple of weeks ago. Monty's wife, Ingrid, got up in the morning. It was a normal day like any other. She was healthy. She was fine. She got in her car and was running an errand going about her normal business. And through absolutely no fault of her own, another car came and through an accident swerved over and hit her car head on. And she was killed instantly. Again, no fault of her own. Not only did she leave her husband, Monty, behind, but she left behind five children as well. Now, you can imagine the anger and the raw pain and the raw feeling that if you were the husband now of suddenly this, your deceased wife, how you would feel and how intense the pain would be. And the ways that you would want to lash out, not only at the individual who had hit your wife head on and caused her to die, but also the family of that one. And yet what I want you to hear this morning are the words of Monty himself who spoke at his wife's funeral. And as you listen to his words, we don't have time to listen to all of it, but I want to encourage you especially, hear the words he offers about forgiveness and what that means and why it's so incredibly important. So let's go ahead and share and watch what he shares at his wife's funeral at this time.
1: But it will work out. Because God causes all things to work out. You just can't quit. You can't give in. See, the Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And America teaches us to just numb that, and it's not true. But it is true. All you got to do is look around you. Get outside of these walls, and you know it's true. This will work out. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful doesn't mean we don't have tough times and we're going to have tough times. What we need is the Lord. And that's what my wife tried to exhibit every single day. Now I'm going to close with this. And I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everybody's praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It is very hard. And that was tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important.
0: So let's not lose sight of what is important. Let us not lose sight of what is important. In a world that would say, get back, pay back. Sue, divide, tear down. It's almost miraculous that Monty Williams could stand and say so very clearly, offer forgiveness. Let's not lose sight of what is important. Church, we live in a world that seeks constantly to tear down and divide and tear apart and accuse. And yet Monty comes and his words remind us that In the miracle of forgiveness, a better world is created. A world of life and unity and grace that can move us forward together. This is why Jesus comes and instructs us to pray the miracle of forgiveness. Lest we dare to forget, it was the prayer of forgiveness that ended apartheid in South Africa so many years ago when people thought there's no way it could happen. It would take a miracle for that happen. It would take a miracle for unity to occur and division to be wiped away. It will take a miracle and it happened because the prayer of forgiveness occurred. It was the prayer of forgiveness that helped keep racial tensions from boiling over in South Carolina not too long ago at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church where a white man came in and shot and killed nine people during a prayer meeting. It is miraculous that so much more did not happen because there were people through the miracle of the forgiveness of prayer and offering forgiveness through the prayer that kept things in check and allowed healing to be able to occur in what could have been a much worse situation. It was the prayer of forgiveness Offered by the Amish community in Lancaster County, right here in Pennsylvania, 10 years ago, to a shooter who had come into the schoolhouse and shot. Ten young schoolgirls that showed the world a different way, a way that brought healing and comfort and beauty rather than division and pain. That is absolutely miraculous. So when our memories are short and we think that this could not possibly occur, may God do whatever God needs to do to remind us and show us forgiveness through prayer miraculously can bring healing where we think it cannot occur. We live in a time right now where even the concept of forgiveness is being put out there as being absolutely crazy and unrealistic. And yet God repeatedly comes and shares and must reminds us it's not unrealistic in God's kingdom. There is a narrative out there that says, don't believe in forgiveness. And the only places that that narrative leads is to places of division and hate and destruction. And God comes to us and says, every single day, I want you to pray this prayer. Father, forgive us. Just like we are in the practice practice of forgiving others. And through that, God's grace and God's beauty still will reign. Maybe you come here today and maybe you feel like such a miracle is beyond you. Maybe you feel like if you knew the pain and the difficulty that this person or these people are causing me, you would know there's no way that I can come and forgive them. And I'm here to tell you this morning in the words of Jesus, pray and then the miracle can happen. This kind of thing can only happen and come about by prayer. Believe me, it can happen. I love the way my former dean described it. He says, forgiveness is not so much a word spoken or a feeling felt as it is an embodied way of life in an ever deepening friendship with God and others. Forgiveness ought not simply be focused on the absolution of guilt. Rather, it ought to be focused on the reconciliation of brokenness and the restoration of communion. And that's it. Forgiveness is not just about forgetting the bad. It's about moving into reconciliation and healing and wholeness. It's not just about the absence of bad. It's about the furthering of good. And this is why in this prayer, Jesus gives us these words to pray. Because when we pray and when we experience the miracle of forgiveness, we are again swept into, up, into the cosmic work of God and what God is doing in our world to bring about God's grace and God's beauty and God's mercy. Do you feel like you need a miracle? Would you like to experience transformation right here and right now? Then by the grace of God, may we pray and forgive. Just like God forgives us. And again, maybe we're thinking, I just can't do that. It would take a miracle. Then I would say to us, remember, some miracles only happen by prayer. And so today... I'm going to invite us in just a few moments to pray. Let us pray. Lord God, it does not take a lot of effort on our part to picture one or many who have hurt us. We picture them now before you. And God, we pray that no matter how hard it is for us here this morning, that we might experience the miracle of your forgiveness and offer forgiveness to them. And so, God, let us take some extended moments right here, right now, and while we picture those ones who have hurt us, lift them before you in a time of prayer. Let us pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God, we give you thanks that we can come this day, and even when we, on our own strength, may not believe it is possible, we thank you that through you, through prayer, miracles still happen, and we are able to forgive and experience new life. God, we thank you for signs of new life that you are constantly reminding us of, even when we do not deserve it. We give you thanks this very day as we have celebrated in other worship services signs of life, specifically God, in baptisms. And we give you thanks this day for the baptism of Carolyn Grace Hartsick. And we give you thanks this day, God, for the baptism of Aaron Mowry. And we thank you, God, for the work that you are doing in their lives which reminds us of the work that you are doing in our lives. And so, God, we pray for each and every one of us that you will bring about your life, that we can share with the world a different narrative than what the world shares with us, that we would believe in your kingdom coming rather than our own and live into that here and now. And we pray, God, this day that whatever miracle we might need in you, that through prayer and your forgiveness, it may happen. God, as we gather together here this morning, We are so grateful that we can share week in and week out in the Lord's prayer and the power behind it and what it reminds us. And so, God, as we pray it this day, may we pray it realizing we are not playing with a few matches. We are engaging, God, in your holy, spiritual, wonderful dynamite, your spiritual fireworks together. And so, God, with one voice together, Using this morning the word sins, let us pray together the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation.